are the books of the Kabbalah really saying? Many people start to learn the wisdom of the Kabbalah from the introductions that Rabbi Ashlag wrote to his main works, the introduction to the Zohar and the introduction to the Talmud Esasfirot. These are works which are written in language that, superficially at least, appears closest to us. It's language that we use in our lives and with which we are to some extent familiar. This tends to give us the impression that we understand what Rabbi Ashlag is saying. But the truth of the matter is, the ideas encompassed in these introductions are unfathomably deep. And any understanding that we may initially have from these introductions does need to be refined and worked on many, many times. As we progress with our inner work, we begin to see many shades and meanings in each sentence when we read the same material over again. On the other hand, other works of Rabbi Ashlag, which are commentaries on the work of the Ari and on the Zohar, seem to be at the opposite end of the spectrum. These books are written in a language that appears to be far from our human feelings. They're written in a technical language, using terms and names unfamiliar to us, a language of cause and effect, of the names of Svirot, the names of parts of Fim, the formation of vessels. How should we relate to work that we don't understand? This is what the Zohar and the accompanying commentary by Rabbi Ashlag, the Peyush Sulam, have to say on this issue. The Zohar. A person should occupy himself with the Torah to strive to understand it and to persevere with it every day to correct his nefesh and his ruach. Commentary. Perusha Sulam. To occupy oneself with the study of the Torah. This implies meditating on the Torah by reading it aloud, even though one may not understand it. This is in accordance with the inner meaning of the scripture. It is life to those that bring them forth. Proverbs. That is, to those who bring the words forth through the mouth. Through this a person acquires a holy nefesh. To strive in the study of Torah, to strive and do all that one can in order to grasp it and to understand it. Through this means the person acquires a holy ruach. To persevere with the study of the Torah, after one has merited to correct the nefesh and the ruach, one should not be satisfied with this, but one needs to work at it continually, according to the inner meaning of the phrase, one goes up in holiness and not down. And thus merit a holy nishama. And this is what the Zohar says, to persevere in it every day to correct one's nefesh and one's ruach. Through increasing the practice of Torah every day, the person adds to the tikkun of his or her nefesh and ruach and merits the holy nishama. We know that until the time that Rabbi Ashlag opened up these works for our generation, it was necessary for a person to have achieved a high level of spiritual purity in order to understand these works of the Zohar and of the Ari. In Jewish history, through the ages, many great tzaddikim achieved this high level of spiritual attainment. For example, the Baal Shem Tov and the Hasidic masters who followed him. Likewise, the Geon of Vilna and his pupils all knew the Kabbalah. We need to understand what does inner purity have to do with our understanding of such works? Why should one thing affect the other? After all, we do not need inner purity in order to learn physics to a high level. It is therefore clear that the understanding of these works is not purely an intellectual activity, 
but is something else, something that has to do with the purity of our heart and our intentions. As Shimon HaTzadik says in Pirkei Avot, The Ethics of the Fathers, the world stands on three things, the Torah, service and deeds of loving kindness. Every person is a world. Every person is a unique world of his own. He needs those three pillars. He needs Torah together with service and deeds of loving kindness. The service is prayer and the deeds of loving kindness are the mitzvot. As we purify ourselves, we begin to see that what appears to be a technical language is actually a language for talking about the processes of the soul. It's as if that technical language starts to open up. We begin to see that these works of the Ari and of the Zohar are actually teaching us how to live a life in which we are able to come to God and live the life we were born into this world to live. It is teaching us the purpose of God in creating us and our purpose in being here. This is what the Bala Sulam wrote about his great desire to bring out these works. Our society is analogous to a band of travellers who are starving and thirsty, wandering in a desert. One of them finds a settlement where there's all good. He remembers his unfortunate brothers, but he's lost contact with them and doesn't know where they are. What does he do? He begins to shout in a loud voice and sound the shofar, the ram's horn. Maybe his starving and wretched companions will hear its sound and draw near to him. And then they'll also be able to come to the settlement that is filled with all good. So is the matter before us. We've been wandering in the dreadful desert of the lack of the knowledge of God, together with all humanity. And now we've found a great treasure, filled with all good, which consists of the books of the Kabbalah. These constitute the treasure that satisfies our yearning souls and fills them with content and ease, so we eat our fill and even leave over. But the memory of our companions, who are still in the dreadful wilderness, lacking help, is engraved on our hearts. Even though the distance between us is great and we cannot contact them, nevertheless, we've organised this shofar in which to call. Maybe our brothers will hear, come close and be happy like ourselves. No, my dear brothers, my own flesh, that the main thrust of the wisdom of the Kabbalah is the knowledge of how the world evolves from the heavenly heights until it comes to our lowliness. This reality must be, because the end of an action is contained in its original thought. The Creator's thought acts instantaneously and does not need any vehicle to implement it as we do. Therefore, we emerged primarily in all our perfection in the Ein Sof, in all our complete wholeness, and then evolved down to this world. Therefore, within the wisdom of the Kabbalah, it is very easy to find all the rectifications that are still yet to come forth, set out in the perfect worlds that preceded us, and from this we may know how to correct our ways from now on. The human has an advantage over the beast whose spirit descends. That is to say, the beast cannot see further than itself, and it has no intelligence or understanding, to know what it went through in the past in order to correct the future. Man has an advantage in that the spirit of man ascends upwards, that is to say to the past, and looks in the past as one looks in a mirror and thus sees how to correct his defects. So the intelligent man looks into his past and rectifies his needs from then on. There is no spiritual development for the animals. 
they still stand at the same level at which they were created because they do not have a mirror through which they could understand how to correct their ways and through which they could gradually develop in the way that a man has. The man gradually develops day by day until his worth is certain and felt. All this is true regarding man's dealing with natural external ways, that is, in his dealing with the nature of the reality that surrounds us, being our food and our external affairs, for which our natural intelligence is sufficient. However, regarding our inner selves and our essence, our natural intelligence does not suffice. We do develop a little, but our development and improvement occurs by being pushed into it unconsciously, through suffering and the spilling of blood. That is because we have no tactic by which we may attain the mirror to see the innermost aspects of those who strove for their completion in generations that have gone by. This is even more the case with regard to the innermost workings of the soul and of the worlds, so we may learn how they developed. Just imagine for yourselves, if for example today, you would find an historical book that would describe the generations that will come to be hence in another 10,000 years, a book that describes both the wisdom of the nations and the ways of the individual, then our leaders would be searching in it for every remedy by which to organise our life here, until we would come to the state wherein there is no going out and no scream in our streets. Psalms 144 verse 4 Then all the slaughters and the dreadful suffering would be nullified and everything would be in its correct place. And now, my friends, here you have arranged and laid before you in this cabinet the book in which is written and explained all the wisdom of the nations and all the ways of the individual and of the community that will actually come about at the end of days. The Book of the Kabbalah is here, in which are organised the rectified worlds that came forth in perfection, as we spoke above, since from God firstly comes forth perfection. Accordingly, we may correct our ways and come to that same existing perfection that already exists in the highest world, that came forth in the Ainsof, according to the principle that the completion of an action depends on its original conception. From the perfect cannot come forth the imperfect, except through a gradual process, stage by stage. Since nothing is lost in the realm of spirituality, every stage exists and is described in all its likeness and character, both in its general aspect and in detail, in the wisdom of the Kabbalah. Open these books and you will see all the correct order of things that will become manifest in the end of days. From this you will obtain a good doctrine on how to organise matters today regarding the needs of this world, as we can learn from the history of what is past, and thus we can correct the history yet to come. And all this I have placed on my heart until I can no longer refrain. I received approval from heaven to reveal something of my contemplation, and what I have found written in these books concerning the ways of the tikkun the rectification of our certain future. I will go forth to the children of the world with this shofar, which in my opinion and evaluation will suffice to gather all those who have merit that they should start to learn and meditate in the books and thus tilt themselves and the entire world to the side of merit. As we learn, both Rabbi Ashlag's more technical works on the work of the Ari that is, his Talmud Esas Virot, and his commentary on the Zohar, the Peyush Sulam, 
and his other shorter works, like the Petit Chalachoch Mata Kabbalah, together with his more discursive works, the introductions, his letters and his essays on the inner work that he wrote to his pupils, we began to see that all his writings form one continuous whole. All deal with the same issue. How can we rectify ourselves so we can come to our fulfilment? The works do differ in the detail with which they go into the processes they discuss. That is, the processes of the soul. The structure of the processes is in fact similar between one person and the next. But the underlying process is hidden in the unique package of the personality and cultural background of each person and express themselves uniquely for each one. So each of us tends to see our own view of the world and we have difficulty understanding the viewpoint or inner reality of our fellow. We tend to think as I think and feel, so does my friend or my spouse. We project our own feelings and thoughts onto the other and we judge accordingly. When we learn the more technical works of the Kabbalah, we begin to see these processes not as they come to us enclosed within the unique personality and cultural package of the individual, but in a clearer light. We see them in their more essential form. We begin to see the components of our own actions in a more objective manner, and we can begin to understand what our actions actually consist of. We begin to be able to differentiate when we are giving and when we are actually receiving. We start to take responsibility. We begin to see where our intentions are really positive, and where in fact they are selfish, just camouflaged by a nice package. And as we gain in our own self-knowledge, we gain in stopping our projections onto our fellow man. So the technical language helps us see more clearly and it helps us also acknowledge the role of the light of God in our lives. As we work with it, we have to work on our inner world together because simply working on the technical side without our inner work means that we won't be able to see what it's really saying. Rabbi Ashla commented on the phrase from Psalms, Magnify the Lord with me, and we will exalt his name together. Iti, with me, stands for three qualities. Emuna, Tfila, and Yigiyah. Faith, prayer, and hard work. These are the keys to our learning. These are the qualities we need with which to approach our learning, and may we all be blessed by the fruit of our hands. This audio recording is brought to you from Nahora's School, established by Yadida Cohen for the study of the Kabbalah as taught by Rabbi Yehudalev Ashlag. Studies with Yadida Cohen are available through the Nahora's School online. Details at www.nahoraschool.com or www.nahorapress.com.